0: Welcome to Law in the Family, a production of the Pennsylvania Bar Association Family Law Section, providing insights for lawyers about the practice of family law in Pennsylvania. The information shared during this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create, and receipt or listening does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and the podcast guests, and don't necessarily represent those of the Pennsylvania Bar Association.
1: Hello, welcome to Law in the Family. I'm your host, Aaron Weems. With me is my co-host, Anthony Hoover. And today we are welcoming Darren Holst. Darren is the incoming chair of the Pennsylvania Bar Association's Family Law Section and a partner with Howitt, Kissinger, Holst, and Bill Jacobs. Darren, welcome to the podcast, and please take some time to introduce yourself to our audience.
2: Thank you, uh, Aaron and Anthony, uh, for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, be a part of this. I was chair of the task force that uh, started by a uh, previous uh, chair, Dave Schombacher, uh, and the uh, podcast ideas flowed from that task force, so I'm happy to see that it has uh, been successful and it is ongoing. You guys are doing a great job. As Aaron said, I am the incoming chair of the the section, and I am delighted to be able to represent the section. It is, uh, I feel, the best section in In the uh, PBA, we have active members, passionate members, and I am, I think, privileged to be able to uh, represent them for the upcoming year. You know, a little bit about me. I have been practicing at... uh, now, uh Hallett, Kissinger, Holston, Bell Jacobs, that uh, was affected July 1, but I had been a uh, partner of this firm since 2005, been practicing at the firm generally since 2000. So it's hard to believe now that uh, this is year 22 of my family law practice. It doesn't seem possible, but I am thrilled to have made it this far in, in what I will say is a stressful profession, as we all know. So a little bit about my year. I am looking forward to uh, continuing many of the uh, policies implemented by uh, our now immediate past chair, Helen Casal. Helen did a fantastic job in her year. One of the things in general that I think uh, that she did a great job with was creating a health and wellness committee to uh, try to assist us practitioners in being able to deal with these stresses that we uh, see day in and day out in family law practice. The practice of law generally is stressful, but I think uh, the practice of family law is even more stressful than the average litigant, or I should say, a practitioner of the law may experience. And so with that, coupled with the increased stressors of life in general in today's world, with uh, coming out of the pandemic, the uh, need for technology to keep us closer, there's uh, a lot of additional stressors. And so I think it's important for us to be able to work on ways to deal with that stress, to keep it from uh, eating us from the inside out. So that is something I'm looking forward to. And Darren, and I,
3: I mean, you just if, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, just, you know, I know we, we've talked about it on the podcast before, just the, the health and wellness initiative. And I'm interested in just almost your takes. I don't know if there's anything that you do in in your practice, whether it be organize clients in a certain way, when you get... You know, certain times um, there might be situations where clients send a dozen email, you know, maybe all different things, maybe all related to the same thing. I know just health and wellness in general and fitness and things like that and mental health are important. You know, again, you, I, you mentioned coming out of the pandemic too. It was almost kind of nice at, at t- I mean, really, you know, rough things about the pandemic, but silver lining at, at times where our, our calendars were a little bit more open for what we chose to do, but now that has gone so to speak. Yeah, that,
2: that luxury is, so, is no longer present. I will say this, and I certainly have said this in, in CLEs, it starts first with managing expectations of clients, which is easier said than done. You know, How do we get some moments of calm in an otherwise jam-packed, hectic schedule? I think it is important to have designated times each day, whether it's a half an hour over lunch or sometime mid afternoon where you're able to get out, do something that you enjoy. Like for example, certainly when the, the weather's nice, my office is a block off of the, uh, the Susquehanna. So I really do enjoy taking part of my lunch down by the river, not in a van down by the river, but down by the river um, <laughs> and just walk in the river and, and getting some sunlight, some uh, nice uh, warmth just to help me calm me uh, and get my thoughts collected. When I, dealing with emails, Oftentimes, I think it's important to, you know, if you, if you get a flurry of emails at a time when you simply don't have the time to respond specifically is maybe just quickly shooting an email back saying, Hey, I got this. I won't be able to respond specifically until this point in time of today or tomorrow or whatever, just to let them know and then set aside <clears> that time to you answer those emails rather than constantly stopping what you're doing going and responding to emails because that's the temptation is great to do that. And sometimes you can't do that. That creates more stress when you're actually involved in something now and then all of a sudden you try to do something else. you know trying to do two things at once, you're gonna do both things less successfully than if you did them one at a time. So that's something that I do try to do. And again, it's easier said than done. I'm certainly guilty of answering emails as they come in, and that can monopolize a good portion of your day if you do that, rather than designating an hour of time to do that in mid-afternoon or mid-morning, whatever.
1: I mean, I, I'll tell you, that's a, it's a great point because I think when it comes to both managing clients' expectations, but also the expectations of opposing counsel or colleagues, you know, I, I know that we're all busy and I, do do think that even just saying, I got your email, I see it, I'll respond to it. When I get those, at least I, I think it, it buys a ton of goodwill on my part, knowing that they at least got something back to me. And I endeavor to do it. I know people that are listening to this probably know that I'm not always great great at doing it, but I do endeavor to do it because I do think people then know that you saw it and you will try to get back to them as soon as possible. I think a lot of times when you, when those emails go out into the ether and they aren't responded to, it ends up creating more anxiety for the sender. And just sometimes even just saying, I see it, and I can't get to it, but I will get to it soon, can buy you, you know, some, some real goodwill and time to be able to, like you said, set aside that hour to take care of it. It's, it's a fire hose be- of email that we all get all the time. Trying to manage it is a challenge.
2: Right. And, and not only does it create stress for the sender, but really if you don't respond and say, I'll get back to you by this time, it creates more stress on you because you're, you know, it's back there. You haven't answered it yet. You haven't done any type of response yet. And so it creates more stress on you. So it's easier to acknowledge the email and say, I will get back to you at this point in time. I just can't do it right now. And then set aside that time to do it. It helps you as the recipient uh, lower your stress as well.
1: And, and I think I'm, you know, have to pat ourselves on the back uh, in a way, but the reality is, a lot of the things that we have to respond to, you can't just fire off a quick little missive and be done with it. A lot of times, it takes having to go to the file, take you know, make sure that your facts are straight. It's not as simple as as sitting in sit, sitting in the coffee shop, responding to emails on your phone. It sometimes takes a little bit more substantive work that. That it's not just a two-minute email. It's well, exactly.
2: A, a related issue, and I, I find this funny. You know, sometimes clients will say, "You know, why did it take you 0.2 or, or ten minutes to to respond to my email?" And I have to say, "Well, you asked me a specific question about your marital settlement agreement or your custody order. I had to go back to the file, look at it, and figure right. out what the language is and come up with what the what the legal analysis is, and then put it on paper to you. So it's not just a one-minute email. It is a One to two minute email (laughs) plus five to six minutes of actually looking through the file to get
1: the answer. See, sharpening the axe takes longer than cutting the tree. (laughs) And
3: that, and that, yeah, you're absolutely correct. And that is, I think, again, you, I mean, you talked about stresses, Darren. I mean, one of the challenges of family law is so many of the decisions that are made throughout our cases have so much to do with discretion of the court, where this isn't tax law where or other you know areas of transactions that this is this is the way it's done this is what's done in this situation and we're following a checklist i mean just a lot of uh, the questions that are and it's challenged for our clients too i mean that that our clients have they're looking for a black and white answer and a lot of times you're we're we're giving our clients likelihoods this is likely to happen this is what i've seen before from this judge or from this hearing officer but there's no guarantee that this is going to happen again. And that's, that's challenging to convey an email. And so the practice of, of what we do, it just does not always match up with the quick email, quick response type world that I think a lot of individuals, our clients, and even attorneys are, are used to working in. So anyway, we, we could do a whole nother podcast on you know, productivity. And you know like Darren, you said, like just jumping out of a project, hopping back, like, what is it? Once you jump out of a project, it takes like 18 minutes or something to get your mind back into it. Once you've been just, dist- even if you just pick up a quick call, like, oh, so-and-so was wondering if we're still on for tomorrow, right? right. Then now, now it's 18 minutes to get back to where you were. So Darren, another thing I think you want to talk about membership of the section. I know, I mean, just for me, since I've been practicing family law, I've been, I've been a member of the section this whole time and I, you know, benefits abound, but just kind of some of the things that you want to do and, and thoughts are on about membership
2: yeah I mean, look I think membership is an important issue that has been at the forefront now for several years with our section. Our section, like the PBA generally and other organizations nationally, have seen a decrease in membership over the last eight to ten years, and more importantly, at this juncture, the majority of our active section members are age 60 and above. So they're going to be retiring in the next several years. And we haven't done a very good job of getting younger blood into the section to replace those ranks. Uh, The numbers of uh, section members from age 25 to 40 is far less than those age 60 and above. So one of the issues that I'd like to uh, address in my year is to see... What can we do to reverse the trend and get numbers going back up in a positive fashion and getting those younger members? What attracts them? What interest do they have? What can we offer to them or what can we show them that we have that they should be enjoying as a section member? Because I do think our section provides a wealth of opportunity for its members, but with the family lawyer, with the ability to meet and to network across the state, uh, I think those are invaluable. And and I, I question why people don't see that and and come to our meetings. But we need to figure out why. We need to get those membership numbers up, get younger people involved. And another issue is diversity. I mean, diversity generally. I think. Uh, There's a need to try to broaden our section's diversity background and also geographic diversity. We are very centered uh, in the East and the cities of Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and and Harrisburg. We really need to try to get more involvement and uh, development in underrepresented counties above, you know, the northern counties, uh, places that. Uh, we just don't see historically a lot of uh of, of involvement. So let's try to get those people involved. Certainly there's continues to be many uh family law practitioners. I wouldn't say family law practitioners as a whole has declined. It has continued to remain constant or increased. So can we parlay that into getting Membership numbers increased and getting active participation, not just being a member generally, but coming to the meetings, being involved, uh, providing their ideas. That helps us, you know, when we develop our CLEs, getting more perspective to uh, provide better products to the uh, section as a whole. So I think there's only an upside to getting more involvement across the state geographically, getting a more diverse section. Involved, so that's one thing I'm looking forward to, and it's not a new issue. This has been an issue that chairs over the last, like I said, over the last five to, to eight years, ten years, have been trying to tackle. So it's going to be a difficult issue,
1: and it's, it is important because for a number of reasons, one of which being just the the exchange of ideas. Because I feel like that whenever we have an opportunity to get attorneys or judges from counties that we don't typically see, you end up getting a new idea from them because everyone handles things differently. We all know that this is a very county specific type of practice. And what happens in one county may not be the same in another county, but it's amazing what you can draw from, from those other places where you don't practice, where you might get a good idea that might apply to your case or a situation that you have. But I've always found the winter and the summer meetings have always been a great opportunity to hear those voices. And certainly there's a lot of people that are regulars on the the CLE circuit, so to speak. But the one thing I've also found is that if people raise their hand and want to participate, there's always a good reception for it. And there's always a, people like yourself um, and Anthony that are going to, that was going to be managing your programming. We'll spoil alert on that one, but uh, <laughs> there will be, there are opportunities and considering that the demographic of the section is skewing towards a retirement age, that just sounds to me like there's plenty of opportunity for younger attorneys to get involved and have their voices heard, get their names known. And, you know, I'd certainly be interested in seeing more people from, you know, from the corners of the state get involved and bring to these meetings their perspectives on, on how to practice family law.
3: Yeah. And, and, and Aaron, I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, thank you for Darren for asking me to help out with programming for this year. And, you know, that is a little bit of a self-interest for the section where we, you know, we do want to hear ideas. I, I cannot tell you how many times that I've been in a section meeting and was listening to a CLE, maybe, you know, socializing, you know, with another family law attorney or judge. I hear how they handle an issue out in another county, and it, it was just a genius genius idea that solved the problem in my case, solved the problem in you know maybe a county where I'm on a court relations committee, and I bring that idea to that county. no doubt in my mind that the financial commitment to go to the meetings and the time commitment because it is you know we have fifty two weekends a year and we're asking to give up two of them and that's a commitment, but there's no doubt in my mind that the value that I get out of it where I meet a financial expert at a meeting and, you know, the other expert I normally use is conflicted out. So rather than spending an hour on Google, two hours calling contacts, sending emails, two hours saved right there. I can bill on another matter and I have a relationship with someone. So there's no doubt in my mind that it's worth it, the effort and the expenditure in that regard. And I mean, again, just, Aaron, you know, your thoughts you know, you've been at the firm the whole time. I mean, just I think our practice in general is staging for a transition in practice and firms, so to speak. Younger attorney here, Aaron, and I i guess younger in a sense. Not age, but yeah. <laughs> well, maybe mentality. Somewhat. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a lot of professionals, I think, in the next five years, five to 10, that are going to be retiring as attorneys and i don't know if there are folks in private practice that are there to step in into those shoes i don't know
2: exactly and and as you said i mean the practice is ever evolving and just in the in the time that i've been practicing the the evolution of the practice to where we are now with more heavy emphasis on technology i mean that's going to continue there's always going to be a need for family law attorneys the practice itself will change evolve we have an ethical obligation to maintain competency in technology as it develops and is implemented by our practice and so there is a need the a need for the younger generation to uh, step into the shoes and and to take over this section and other sections and, and to help steward the family law section into the, you know, the next uh, decade or several decades, next century, whatever.
3: So Darren, we're about here at the end. Any just kind of final words or, or any kind of sneak peek into anything else we got coming up this year? The final word is,
2: as Anthony had indicated, he is uh, one of the co-chairs for programming. The other co-chair is my partner, Daniel Bell Jacobs. I would encourage anyone who has any ideas for programming to reach out to Anthony or to Daniel. They are always looking to to hear from other people to get ideas for our programs. Sneak peek into the year. uh, I think everyone knows winter meeting is going to be in Hershey in January at the, the Hotel Hershey summer meeting. And it's going to be in New York, Lake George at the Sagamore. So while it is a long drive, it is a rewarding drive once you get there. It is a beautiful location. So I am hopeful everyone will uh, incorporate into their summer plans a trip to Lake George next July. I am looking forward to this year. I know having talked to other past chairs The year goes by in a blur, and while you have many things that you want to do, there's always something that's going to come up. Just like in the practice of law, you've got an agenda. Sometimes that agenda gets set aside, and you have to deal with emergencies as they develop, Uh, so you have to triage, so to speak. But I am looking forward to the challenges of the year, and I do appreciate you guys putting me on your podcast.
3: All right. Well, Darren, thank you so much. Thank you all the listeners out there. And please keep listening to the All in the Family podcast by the Pennsylvania Bar Association.
0: Thank you. Law in the Family is a production of the Pennsylvania Bar Association Family Law Section. To learn more or to join the section, visit the Pennsylvania Bar Association website at pabar.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And to catch up on every episode, join us at anchor.fm slash lawinthefamily. A reminder that nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and the guests and don't necessarily represent those of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. Thanks for listening and tune in for future podcasts.